Two things left us to do is politeness and uh, fractious arguments. So that's good. Um, and therefore, presumably, um, a cheer if you've not listened to Trash Future before. Okay. I'm very sorry about what's about to happen. Um, uh, no, it's fine. It's a, fun, it's a fun show. It has its own weird in-jokes. We'll try and keep it as accessible as possible. Um, so I'm just going to, like, I used to go here, not to this specific college, but to a different one. Um, and uh, when I was, was that a boo? <laughs> Come on, we all know what's going on here. No one was listening to this show being like, oh, none of these guys went to Oxbridge, surely. It's not, it's not possible. Four dudes on the left in Britain who have a podcast. Come on. Have you been living in a cave? Um, yeah, I went to a different, I went to a different college. Um, and I studied ancient Greek. Nice. Did anyone else study ancient Greek? Relatable. It's actually, I always joke that it's not relatable, but in Cambridge, it kind of is. <laughs> um, so that might be it. Um, and I basically, I learned one thing from studying ancient Greek, which is that um, there's like one or two words in every language that uh, tell you everything you need to know about the people who spoke that language. Um, and in ancient Greek, for my money, the word is this word raffinado, right? And you're probably thinking raffinado, it's probably something you know, untranslatable from Plato about the nature of the human condition. Well, you're very close, right? What the word raffinado means is it means to insert a radish, which I think we can all agree is a good start, into another man's anus. Now, people said to me, Milo, what are you studying ancient Greek for? You'll never use that in your job. Look at me now, right? Because, like, in English, you can say the phrase, I put a radish in his anus, and you might get thrown out of Pret-a-Manger, right? But we don't have a word for it, right? The fact the ancient Greeks had a word for it tells you a lot about the kind of shit that was going down in ancient Greece, doesn't it? Because that sort of suggests that in ancient Greece, putting a radish in another man's anus and then choosing to tell people that you had done this, right, was a matter of such sort of like commonplace domestic everyday banality that they had to come up with a word to save time <laughs> on saying the entire phrase. I put a radish in his anus, right? It's a very interesting socio-political situation because that word's not an accident, right? If it hadn't been needed, it wouldn't exist, yeah. So, like, because it's not a coincidence, is it, that, like, only the Germans have a word for taking pleasure in other people's pain, right? <laughs> like, it's not like, oh, yeah, we came up with a word, but we never use it. Like, that's not what's going on there. No. Um, and, like, in Britain, we have our own word, right? The word is awkward because... There's nothing that more speaks to the general experience for me of being British than just, eh, right, that feeling of shame on your own behalf and other people's behalf, on behalf of people long dead, on behalf of people yet to exist, right? Um, that, to me, is the only real quality that unites the entire population of Britain. Because um, when politicians talk about British values, it's always something like uh, democracy or equality before the law. And I'm always like, there's only one British value, and it is, eh, right? Like, that is, that is what the immigration policy should be if you can feel shame come the fuck in, right? Like, the, the citizenship test should be how ashamed would you be in the following five scenarios? Scenario one, you exist. If the answer is ashamed, join us, right? Like, I used to date an American girl. She found it really hard to fit in in Britain because she'd never felt shame. They don't have it over there, right? It's different. Everyone's like, very anti-American crowd, I guess. Interesting. Um, and because, uh, like, the British people are, like, in the tube, like, is that too much eye contact? Not enough eye contact. The wrong kind of eye contact, right? Americans, different. They're, like, walking down the platform, shaking hands with people they've never met, going, do you want to go roller skating? An entirely different culture, right? Um, 
And I lived in Russia for three years, and there they have this word pizdets, right? And the word pizdets, what it means is, is it means like some fucked up shit, okay? And uh, it's a really useful word because you can say it in different ways and it means different things. Like, for example, you can say a sentence like, uh, my grandmother was come home from shops and she was killed and eaten by a pack of wild dogs. Pizdets. But you can also throw in something like, however, she left me reasonable inheritance. I spent it all on huge cocaine party for my friends. Pizdets. Like, they're very comfortable with that gray area between good and bad. You, know, you sort of have to be. Their language is adapted to a kind of atmospheric pressure. Like, a Russian friend of mine recently tried to explain to me what this niche word I didn't know meant. And what he said was, well, Milo, you see, it means like better, but in the sense that it was worse. <laughs> a concept... Only the Russian mind can comprehend. It's like a, you'd break a normal person's brain trying to get that across. Like, I think you have to have lived there to understand that. Fortunately, I have. And I can tell you that may as well have been the motto of the Soviet Union. Because things became much better in the sense that they were, in fact, significantly worse. Um, slightly off-brand joke for this podcast, that one. Uh, <laughs> I hope there's no dungaree people in. Um, good. Okay. Uh, guys, are you ready for the podcast? Fantastic. Please welcome to the stage, the Trash Boys. It was not on. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> is this too loud, thing on? Though. It is. Is this too loud? This is fine. Hi, everybody. Um, welcome to Trash Future, the podcast about if we do not implement fully automated luxury gay space communism, the future isn't will be trash. I'm only getting it right occasionally now. Um, no, so this is interesting for us because this is going to be the first time, I think, in the history of the show that we have performed for an audience that isn't exclusively already our fans. Uh, so, fun. Um, for those of us who aren't familiar with us already, uh, we are basically a show that makes fun of the worst excesses of modernity. Um, so, uh, I, what we're going to be doing is I, in my infinite capacity for research, because I waste a lot of time, um, have found... One, one startup that is either asinine or evil or both, and the, the guys are going to have to f try and figure out what it does. Asinine or evil, the Tory leadership contest. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two flavors you can have. <laughs> and then, once they've figured out what this thing is, and we've explored how it's um, apocalyptically stupid um, for a while, we're then going to shift onto a little piece of literature that I have found, which is the action novel written by Boris Johnson in 2004. It's a good one. Yeah. Holy shit, is it racist. <laughs> Boris Johnson, the thinking man, Steven Seagal. It's, 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 it's racist, but you could also see a movie being made out of, made of it featuring Jason Statham. I, I mean... <laughs> Listen, sunshine, if I don't have an extramarital affair in the next 15 minutes, my heart's going to literally explode. It's libelous for me to say that Boris Johnson wrote this while doing a um, West Wing amount of cocaine, so I'm not going to say that. It's also libelous for me to call Boris Johnson a racist, so I'm just going to say that his book is ludicrous. I'm just going to read his book, and you just determine, is it racist or not? So, In London, no a West Wing amount of cocaine is just called Tuesday. So. Now, what happened was I forgot Aaron Sorkin's name. <laughs> So, are we ready for the first part? Because I found a product, and I think it's one of the worst ones we've done. It's called okay. Gaggle. <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a group. Uh, 
Yes, that is the basis of the name. Yes. Mm. It's called the gaggle. What do we think this is? It's a group of people who are into BDSM. <laughs> no. No, it is not. And I can actually have you thrown in jail for that. Oh. Any guesses? The gaggle. I mean, it must be some kind of social thing, right? Like people with a shared interest. It's a social network for bulimics. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> it, it is indeed a social network. Uh, so it's a, it's a startup. Early warning against blank. Um, Snowflakes. It yeah. Clearly, it must be for right-wingers, right? Yeah, it must be like a social network for right-wingers to cancel themselves before they get cancelled. Because <laughs> they can say they've been gagged, and that's really good for their brand. No, they've mm. been gaggled, so it's like not as like, they're kind of cancelling themselves before they do the really kind of racist slash, you know, I didn't know they were 12 years old <laughs> when I first met Dear them. Dear viewers, I have been gagged, and not in the usual way that I pay a woman to do. Yeah, so, okay, so you're saying it's kind of like a... Like Jordan Peterson's ThinkSpot social network, but for Harakiri. It's intellectual Harakiri. You have yes. to disembowel yeah. yourself. Yes. Uh, no, no, it is not. I'll do another blanked out line. Stop blank with real-time content analysis and round-the-clock notifications. Stop Jeremy Corbett. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, stop the news cycle? I don't know. I mean, they're always hung up on the idea that the news cycle is somehow, you know, inaccurate or too superficial and that you need slow news, which also it's gives my friends a job where they don't work hard. It's for people who just can't stop being racist on the internet. So we have, so we have to use like an app-based service to like it cuts slowly, off, slowly, it cuts your like wireless cut signal when you've been racist <laughs> online. It's gagging you. Are you Boris Johnson? Are you trying to write a book? Here's a clippy that keeps you from doing it. Stop your wife from talking to men she meets online with round-the-clock information and notifications. Stop emailing my wife. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, proactively identify blank who are struggling and provide support where needed. I'll give you a hint. It's American. Wait, what people who are support? struggling. So, clearly, it's got to be like people with medical debt, right? I mean, that's the whole idea. It's like I know it who, sounds. Who, who, who among us is more vulnerable? Sounds a lot like people with like addictions to weird furry shit. <laughs> okay, I'm going to do the last one, then we're going to carry on. Ensure the safety, well-being, and happiness of your blank on their email and drive accounts. <laughs> Is it like a, a thing a, like a net nanny for kids, but it's meant to keep them from, I don't know, anything that's not right-wing ideas? Okay, I'm just going to tell you what it is, because this is one of the first ones in a while where you haven't just guessed it. It is... Okay, it's, it's like GCHQ but for every school in America. Oh, nice. So it's like, it's like Net Nanny, but for schools. Spy, they're spying it's like on, a school network thing. Spying on your kid's TikTok. <laughs> so basically... It makes uh, your kids child, more racist. This, <laughs> this child drew a Quran in Microsoft Paint. <laughs> SWAT team authorized. Milo, you're the one that's closest to getting what it actually does. Oh, so, nice. what, so what you're saying is it's like a thing for school, so if they think that kids are going to convert to Islam, it shuts their internet connection down. Yeah, it's like e-prevent. Um, <laughs> uh, so it says it is, it is a network of uh, machine learning connected computers that are now monitoring every school in America. Um, 
to, quote, block potentially harmful content and images in student school-issued email and online file storage accounts and detect mental instability before it happens. Oh, so it stops school shootings before they happen. Yep. Couldn't take away the guns. Amazing. No. no. In, instead of taking away the guns, we're going to create, like, kind of a, a, a Facebook, but where we can spy on everybody. So, like, Clippy shows up and it says, it looks like you're plotting a school shooting. Do you need help with this? <laughs> like, we give all of the kids mood rings. <laughs> and they start, like, glowing a particular color when it gets a bit like, no one will fuck me, I'm buying an assault rifle. <laughs> It's like Siri pops up and it says, if you block the exits, you'll get a higher KD ratio. (laughs) In effect, yes, it's like giving every single student in America a mood ring, but crucially, one that they don't have access to, but you do as an administrator. The only thing that would be the icing on the cake for this is like the students don't have access to this, but the cops do. It's like, imagine. Yes, yes. (laughs) Amazing. So every student becomes like Solid Snake, except like the the Otacon is like just the cops. <laughs> um, so this happens in two ways. Number one, data gathering includes health, fitness, and sleeping habits, sexual activity, prescription drug use, alcohol use, and all disciplinary matters. Students' attitudes, sociability, and even, quote, enthusiasm are quantified, analyzed, recorded, and then analyzed in our uh, machine learning system. I feel like enthusiasm is a very generalized metric. I feel like that's quite dead, because I feel like the guys who did Columbine were quite enthusiastic. (laughs) God, their enthusiasm is off the charts. But what is it that they're, what are the activity are they monitoring? I mean, it's just like students, you know, computer library, you know, like computer labs. They're like, I mean, because what is it they're doing they're monitoring, unless it's connected to students' phones? um, Basically, uh, you know how students in America can't like pay for like lunches uh, or buses, or teachers. Uh, none of the schools have that. Billionaire philanthropy means they all have Chromebooks. Because uh, I was just thinking, like, if you only monitored computer lab activity, it was like, wow, there are a lot of students making racist edits to Wikipedia, but nothing else. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It, they, all have, they, all have, they all have laptops now because of billionaire philanthropy. So, the CIA are learning so much about meatspin.com. <laughs> 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 Me too. Don't we all? Has, it, has it been taken Don't down? We all? Oh, that's oh, surely, it. Surely it's lemon, somewhere. Lemon party is still up though. Burn down the internet. <laughs> I mean, what do you, how do you think Hussein gets up in the morning? But yeah. with a <laughs> sir, sir, it's part of my morning routine. I meditate for five minutes. I bathe in a bath of ice, and then I watch Lemon Party. Mm. It centers me. It's wellness. Actually. I mean, if anything, it gets Stop you being so really, ignorant. really enthusiastic about business. Yeah, because what yeah. is business but a big lemon party? <laughs> Exactly. Like, the dark version of Trash Future is the human centipede, but the correct version of Trash Future is a lemon party. (laughs) So, earlier you said uh, about the police, here's how the police get involved. An in-house team of safety professionals work 24-7-365, so Christmas too, uh, to, to evaluate all the keystrokes on students' laptops, categorize incidents and determine their severity at which point district appointed contacts in the police station are notified immediately even after standard business hours oh my god they're gonna send like a SWAT team to go after like a 14 year old who's like typing something to someone about like i don't know i'm just imagining a control center and the cops like i don't know what's happening but it's it, it involves your mom somehow. <laughs> yeah, they, they typed uh, Roar XD, which I'm pretty sure stands for ready to attack Washington directly. 
explosive oh. device. Oh, no, no. no, you know what they're going to do? They're going to send a SWAT team after a kid who's like talking about TikTok because his name is like Ahmed or something. It's like, sir, we found we 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 found these messages which are all referring to TikTok. Um, <laughs> it's like we're just a bit suspicious about you know um, what's happening in that bag, and like they open the bag and it turns out it's just like a it's just like a robot clock. Yeah. So mm. basically, what we can look at this as is, what if Clock Kid was everyone? Damn. Um, yeah. So yeah. movie starring Jason Statham. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> C- CEO Crank three winding up the clock. <laughs> CEO Jeff Patterson wanted to bring the power of digital communication to schools to engage and motivate students. Understanding that safety was a primary concern, Jeff then created a system that identifies suspicious terms and allows for control and transparency for teachers and administrators. Our goal uh, was to give teachers an easy way to watch over the gaggle of their students. <laughs> Uh, I love it when they say it's the not title. How a gaggle works, though. Like a ga- it's like it refers to a particular movement of like animals, <laughs> like geese. It, it, it is mm. Al- also kids, also kids, but more, most importantly, kids who go to jail if they Google the Quran. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, have you ever seen a herd of geese? Don't you want to put them in jail too? I mean, the grand scheme of things, they're not particularly nice animals. Oh. Geese are kind of illegal immigrants when you really think about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's great to have one or two like pints, right? So, Did anyone see that tweet? It was it was wild. So the <laughs> these next... geese are trying to bring down planes. <laughs> I, I mean, we all watched uh, that movie about the the pilot Sully. We've all watched that that film. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. What are, what are what are? I mean, this is a bit of a preview of the Boris Johnson book. But what are geese but winged Al Qaeda? <laughs> <laughs> so, what is Al Qaeda but winged Al Qaeda? <laughs> <laughs> so. Jeff, Jeff, CEO Jeff Patterson's vision of student-centric schools using cutting-edge technology to safely inspire creativity and ingenuity remains the driving force in Gaggle's ongoing story. He safely go- inspire creativity and ingenuity, as though this was previously a very dangerous process. Like, we've been trying to inspire safety and creativity by giving all of the kids PCP and access to, like, just raw petrol. <laughs> I mean, I've got to say that I love, I love the idea of, like, inspiring creativity by monitoring everything that you do and mm. pinpointing particular things which may or may not be uh, signs that you're, like, vulnerable. When you get down to it, every finger painting is a painting of 9-11. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it's, I mean, in every school, there's, in every school, there are, like, budding artists and musicians, and what better way to ensure that that happens than to monitor all your children rather than to make sure that, you know, there's no chance that it will be shot. Because if your children are living every day as if it might be their last, then they'll also be more creative at the same time. Yeah, then they'll, they'll, they'll be like, that guy, you know, um, live, live, live as though you're dying, Rocky Mountain climbing, they'll all be country music singers. This child uh, has done 500 it? paintings of Ground Zero. That's just a <laughs> ream of blank paper, exactly. <laughs> so, he says... That child became Soldier X. <laughs> so, inspiring... Te- using, te- Soldier X. using technology to safely inspire creativity and ingenuity remains the driving force in Gaggle's ongoing story. Quote... But privacy went out the window in the last five years, Peter Peterson said. We're a part of that. <laughs> folks, he just said the quiet part loud. Yeah. Folks, we hate privacy, but we, boy, do we ever love getting kids used to being watched all the time. Yeah. Who needs the least privacy? Well, my son's girlfriend. What? Uh, 
Those those cameras are for the security of everyone. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, before we move on, uh, I found uh, two excerpts from blog posts uh, from Gaggle's native blog. Um, if, if one of, if you don't know, by the way, uh, one of the easiest places to find psychotic content on the internet is in the blog sections of technology companies' websites. Oh my god! Or the FAQs. Oh my god, are they crazy? Because in the blogs, they have to churn out a new article every week about how their technology is somehow world changing. Yeah. And inevitably, they will fuck up and make it and show you how dystopian it really is. Well, and also with the FAQ sections, it's like that no one has ever asked them a question. So these cues are neither F nor A. They're just cues that they've come up with. They're like, well, what would I ask if I had a like? And the, the questions are invariably stuff like, what makes your product so awesome? <laughs> it's like, yes, definitely a question people have asked. Yeah, but then, of course, the answer is invariably, what makes our product so awesome is that it gives your consumer no choice as to who to go to for their blood transfusion. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so here, here is some of their blog post. Um, uh, what else can Gaggle do to keep your school safe? A real-time dynamic blocked words list allows programs like uh, Gaggle student safety representatives to ensure that the mention of anything potentially harmful to students is immediately addressed. One example came from recent events in Ferguson, Missouri. <laughs> Oh. oh, very cool. I'm just imagining a school shooting where, like, the guy's still shooting everyone, but the machine is automatically bleeping out all the racial slurs that he's using. And they're like, look, the system is working perfectly. <laughs> well, in this case, a district administrator near Ferguson was concerned about students getting involved with the dangerous riots and protests taking place and wanted to be proactive. So he requested that specific words be added to the district's blocked list, such as Ferguson or riot or protest. Ferguson, but the school is in Ferguson. <laughs> so, not only does it keep your school safe, it makes sure they don't join, like, you know, some terrorist organization like Black Lives Matter. So the school's own name is on the block list <laughs> of their computer system. Fantastic. It's basically creating that weird sort of, like, time where, you know, where if the school's in Ferguson and they can evidently see that there are protests around the school. Don't talk about it. Yeah, it's not actually happening. It's a simulation. Um, look, you can't, you can't prove that it exists, hence facts, logic, and debate, right? Look, if you die in Ferguson, you die in real life. Your brain makes it real. <laughs> um, yeah, so basically, what this has shown us is that this is as though, like, Ben Shapiro wrote a, um... Oh, you don't know who Ben Shapiro is. <laughs> this is... This is, this is, let's say, Andrew Neal, who sort of seems to believe that, um... Al-Qaeda, Black Lives Matter, the Labor Party, and the, whoever's making the boob smaller in video games is working together to undermine Western civilization. Well, that is Al-Qaeda. <laughs> I mean, it's only, it is only a matter of time before, like, Andrew Neal and, like, Brendan O'Neill go after, like, Hideo Kojima, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but if uh, it's, this doesn't actually just work to control students either. So to close out this segment, I found a snippet of a now-deleted blog post Extolling the virtues for monitoring not only students, but teachers. Quote, Think about the recent teacher work stoppage in West Virginia. <laughs> Could the story have been different if school leaders there made sure that results for health insurance or strike were on the block list? <laughs> wow. What if your computer was a Pinkerton? <laughs> 
<laughs> Occasional searches for salary or layoffs could have staved off any union activity that would lead to adverse press for your school district. <laughs> this uh, makes job. This- as as the sole American on this yeah. show, I'm just like, oh fuck, really? Union? What's union? <laughs> there yeah. is no union, only a trade federation. Yeah, we. We know, of course, that if teachers are allowed to Google the word union, immediately the United States becomes Venezuela. The only Uh, word you can Google is Venezuela. Yeah, I was only Googling that a union is between a man and a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I was just... Look, you told me to Google Venezuela. I was Googling Venezuela. (laughs) A lot of people have been Googling the word union, and then the word no-show jobs. (laughs) Anyway, so that's the gaggle. What do we think, folks? I'm signing up. Yeah. I want to gaggle every word except for Venezuela. Yeah. You're not, <laughs> if, you're, if, you're doing, if you're wasting valuable Googling Venezuela time not Googling Venezuela, then really what you're doing is turning us into USSR 1984. Exactly. Oh, can we design our own cryptocurrency, but where all of the computing hours that like create the currency, that all they essentially do is Google Venezuela? <laughs> Venezuela coin. <laughs> no, come on. I think and there's like six million to the pound. <laughs> <laughs> I think that w- that would be that would be streeting coin. I think. No, oh, West streeting. So enough of that. I I also recently uh, I ran across a novel uh, that I would like to share. Um, so, has anyone heard of Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> it's cracking stuff. You should give it a read. It really, like, there are a few books I've read that say so much about the current state of our politics. You know what I mean? Oh, God. Yeah, that's what we're doing. We're, resist- we're epically resisting Trump by reading Harry Potter and deciding what house we're in. <laughs> well, like, I mean, hello, hello, I'm Rory Stewart, Stewart, and welcome to the Dumbledore's Army podcast. <laughs> We're going to talk about some goblins that run all the banks. No, not the ones you're thinking <laughs> not of. Not them, not them, not them. So, I recently ran across a novel um, that is one of probably the most interesting things I've ever read. Because we all know Boris Johnson. Um, but do we know how his imagination works? Because I will tell you, it's overactive and super racist. <laughs> Precisely. Whom among us would have guessed this? Um, so, and he has a certain kind of haircut, a haircut which has a particular name, or a name we won't say. Um, so, I will now, before cracking on to the first part of the book, tell you what the publisher says this book is. Ahem. 72 Virgins <laughs> is a comic political novel. So that's what he did. He called his book 72 Virgins. <laughs> um, it's about the people in my mentions. <laughs> With similar appeal to Stephen Fry or Ben Elton, written by one of Britain's most popular politicians. Similar appeal to Ben Elton, i.e. none whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) It is Boris Johnson's first novel and was widely acclaimed on publication, presumably in The Spectator and Telegraph and so on. It's quite, it's quite something. Um, So... The, the summary they give is, the American president on a state visit to Britain is giving a major address to a top-level audience in Westminster Hall. Ferocious security, with some difficulties in communication, is provided by a joint, C- joint strike crack force of the United States Secret Service in Scotland Yard. The best sharpshooters from both countries are stationed, blah, blah, blah. 
Then, a stolen ambulance runs into trouble with parking authorities, a hapless member of parliament, who could guess who that's modeled after, having mislaid a pass, is barred from Westminster, his bicycle regarded as a potentially lethal weapon, and a man going by the name of Jones, born in Karachi, successfully slipped through the barriers. (laughs) Anyway, this is the summary of Boris Johnson's incredibly racist novel, and we are going to use it as a little keyhole into the psyche of the man itself, because... I can promise you now, this is the single most divorced book I've ever read. (laughs) (laughs) So, this is the opening line. On what he had every reason to believe would be the last day of his undistinguished political career, Roger Barlow (laughs) awoke in a state of sexual excitement. (laughs) (laughs) And with a gun to his head. The one fading as he became aware of the other. The gun was. No, this can't be Boris Johnson. Boris Johnson would only get harder if he knew that he had a gun to his head. (laughs) Just like boarding school. (laughs) The gun was. Wait, but you're not a boy from the older years. He's he's a type of guy who would actually say, gaggle me. (laughs) (laughs) The gun was equipped with an orange whale harpoon, and would it have been lethal had it been more than six inches long and made of something other than plastic? This man doesn't know how... How does it fit? I don't understand how it would fit onto a hand... hand, Okay. You'll you'll get it. Say your prayers, buddy, said the four-year-old. A little bit of classic misdirection. Roger's eyelid quivered. And here's but what if we... this was set in America, that four-year-old would be holding a real gun that he had retrieved from the cereal cupboards, and then everyone would die. <laughs> um, so this is where we get the first peek into Boris Johnson's psyche. I'm going to kill you, Daddy, and then I'm going to marry Mommy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Oedipus the Tory here. Amazing. Oh. It's, like, it's like boss. It's like boss baby. Yeah. It's 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 a boss yeah, yeah. baby origin story. Yeah, <laughs> boss baby X. Um, <laughs> to, today, Ro- Ro- Roger uh, didn't want to be rude to the four-year-old, lest he exacerbate his Oedipus complex. But he was damned if he was going to be treated this way. He grunted, rolled away, and gripped his slumbering wife with both arms. <laughs> his, his t-shirt in bed was Wait, one so relic. he's sexually defensive in front of his four-year-old son. <laughs> Screaming at my four-year-old son to not email my wife. I am <laughs> a regular I man. I am not a cock. Um, <laughs> he, t- <laughs> he, he Anyway. <laughs> he tended to, giving us more of a window into Boris Johnson's personal life than we ever wanted, wear only t-shirts in bed. <laughs> So, if you ever wanted to picture Boris Johnson pantsless... Oh, he's like Winnie the Pooh, but a very pornographic version. Uh, And and this one was the relic of a brief but illustrious former Tory leadership campaign under which he had been proud to serve. It's time for Haig, proclaimed the shirt, while the back announced common sense revolution. (laughs) Welcome to Boris (laughs) Johnson's It's time for Haig, or also a number of t-shirts I've had printed about Tony Blair. (laughs) (laughs) So... Um, some things transpire. I mean, it's, it's a terrible book. We're not going to bother with the plot. You're vaguely aware of it. Um, so, uh, Roger Boris Johnson decide, decides to check the news. Quote, the police launched some, uh, some new Al-Qaeda raid in Wolverhampton and Finsbury, but there was one of those every week at this point. 
welcome to his very racist book. <laughs> very bad. So, foreshadowing. He hops on his bike and heads down to Westminster to get to Parliament for the President's speech. Um, and that basically concludes most of the happenings of Chapter 1, which is the first and last chapter without any insane racism. <laughs> the record does not keep up for long. So, yeah, that's just a bit where his son tries to fuck his wife. <laughs> the normal part of the book. Well, he was like, you know, I've read Kafka, but I want to make it relevant to my life. So, you know, clearly my son's got to hold a gun to my head and try to fuck my wife. This is normal. Exactly. Who among us hasn't had this happen? This is normal Johnson stuff. Well, my wife is Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> so, now, what Boris Johnson does for us is he leaps out of the mind of Boris Johnson. Uh, and because Game of Thrones style, we have a lot of different uh, 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 protagonists into another protagonist. And here's where we get to see what does Boris Johnson think recent immigrants to the country are like. I bet it's really good. Uh, it's great. And really open-minded. <laughs> Is he taking on the persona of you? It was going to be a beautiful day, thought William Eric Onimaya, as he walked across Lambeth Bridge. No he, one ever thinks that. No. That's, uh, not, that's like a weird thought to have. No, people think that in very sophomoric writing. Mm. Um, he looked down at his shoes. They were fat Doc Martens, burnished and blushing like bumps or buns. <laughs> so he wants to fuck the shoes. <laughs> Has Boris Johnson ever worn shoes? <laughs> I think he's very confused. You know when you put on a shoe and it just feels like a freshly baked croissant? <laughs> they were, bah, bah, what was it? Buxom. He grinned and thought of other things that might be classified as buxom. <laughs> Does he think that this guy has a speech impediment in his own thoughts? <laughs> Why, why is this book so unrelentingly horny? <laughs> He's talking about shoes. In one sentence, he has segued from a guy looking at his own shoes to tits. <laughs> this is not as horny as it gets. It gets so much hornier. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Eric went down Horse Ferry Road, past the obelisks at their odd pineapple finials, past the bearded stone Victorians who had conquered his continent so many years before and began to hunt in the former imperial metropolis. <laughs> the man who's going to be PM, everybody, <laughs> portrays a recent Nigerian immigrant as a, as a traffic warden who is hunting in the land of his former colonial masters. We love it, <laughs> folks, don't we? We, we? we love seeing like such exotic sites such as like the Pret-a-Manger and uh, the, waitro the waitro's little convenience. This is, this is actually the most like Tory dad thing, is believing that parking tickets are somehow revenge for the Mau Mau. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's, why that's why Jeremy Clarkson got so mad at Sadiq Khan, right? You have a week. I told really? you, this he book didn't. is the most divorced book ever written. But at the same time, I mean, he's just taking his... It's like what an author does. He's taking his own life experience and he's trying to make it relevant to his character. Boris Johnson has ruined a safari by being too horny, so clearly his characters are going to do that too. <laughs> so, um, we'll... Um, <laughs> that's not the most racist this chapter gets. I'm waiting for it to be like, he cracked into a carton of umbongo. <laughs> Which so, I'm reliably informed is brewed in the Congo. <laughs> so, 
This guy spots an ambulance parked up on a curb. The white whale. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I will truly defeat the white man. Their most precious invention, the ambulance. So now we have uh, now we have a racist scene change, <laughs> where we switch from the perspective of um, of this sort of evil but happy but dumb um, parking warden to four dark men ate a large breakfast at the cafe near Parliament. <sighs> uh, quickly said the one called Jones, coming back from the toilets. The traffic wardens will be here. There was certain. <laughs> Boris Johnson. Traffic wardens versus Al Qaeda. Whoever wins. Again, yes. We lose. Uh, and so, again, this is Boris Johnson's inner. This is Boris Johnson's approach to foreshadowing. There was certainly something lilting and Eastern about his accent, but if you shut your eyes and ignored his brown skin. Uh, <laughs> Meeting my daughter's new boyfriend. A <laughs> A book by Boris Johnson. <laughs> he sounded almost Welsh. Oh my god. Oh. Almost Welsh, of course. Hello. No, I've come to establish the caliphate. <laughs> um, his, his compatriots, Harun and Habib, in slightly different ways, were possessed of a certain animal cruelty. Oh my god. <laughs> Is that a halal reference? I don't know. It's it's not a reference to Michael to American football player Michael Vick. Yeah, it's, it's I mean it's it's not like a it's not like a reference. It's not like you know um in con- contrast to the civilizational approach of like coming in your own shoes before you go out in the morning. Uh, I love the idea that like the way that he can tell they're in China, like they're just like in this cafe, but one of them's just like torturing a guinea pig or something. You know, I, I for one love to go into public rest public, public restaurants and. Um, you know, spot dark men and like try to figure out exactly how animalistic they all are, depending <laughs> on the orders of what they. Of, uh, well, that's just cottaging, isn't it? That's... <laughs> Which, to be fair, is like something that does not really cross over with the Al Qaeda Venn diagram. <laughs> both both men had trained in the deserts in the camps in Sudan and Afghanistan. Habib's tranquil exterior was deceptive in that he liked to meditate on violence and had devised some of the more Baroque of elements of the plan they were about to execute. Wait, so he's just like the one guy at the yoga class who's like, ha, they think I'm thinking about like quinoa or something, but I'm thinking about torturing a guinea pig and shoes that look like tits. <laughs> In the view of Habib and Harun, it was absurd to have Jones in this operation at all. It was just because he was British. He was the local talent. As for his terroristic temperament, which is quite, a, quite an alliterative phrase, isn't it? Mm. For Boris Johnson, future prime minister of this country, to have written. Um, um, uh, he seemed to have absorbed far too much of the risk aversion of the modern British male. It's the most divorced book ever written. He, 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 he was fine until he lived in Britain for too long and started having uh, dreams about his future four-year-old son fucking his wife. That's what made him meek, the fact that, like... his <laughs> infant, the citizenship he, test. His infant son kept cucking him and he didn't know what to do. So does Boris Johnson just think that, I mean, he may not like suicide bombers, but they're very alpha? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's like at least they're committed to something, unlike these soy unlike boys. Unlike these milk-toast, limp-wristed, effeminate Westerners. We can't let in these seven-year-old Syrian children. They're going to fuck our wives. <laughs> um, okay, so that's essentially the incredibly racist setup of this book, where um, he just indulges in just all of it. Um, and so these four guys get into an altercation with the parking warden and then a Serbian guy who says, I don't trust Muslims. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> there was no animosity there. <laughs> uh, runs off and talks to the police. So let's smash cut to an American helicopter that's just been given a little bit of intelligence. I have found these guys who, uh, for reasons not related to racial profiling, I believe may be up to something untoward. <laughs> you can trust me, I'm from the Serbian military. <laughs> Radko Hudic? <laughs> you see this merit badge, it says no war crimes. Yo, this traffic warden thinks he's going to go and put a ticket on this van, but he doesn't know that it's full of explosives. <laughs> so... So, who's meant to be driving this ambulance, said the pilot as they passed over Trafalgar Square and made for the river. He's called Jones, said Grover from Scotland Yard. Ah, what's he look like? Kind of an Arab type thing. Well, who's among us? Also, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you all cast your minds back to the um, publisher's summary of the book where they said they're all from Karachi. Foreign Secretary Boris Johnson. <laughs> Well, for Boris Johnson, everything from, like, Greek all the way up to Chinese is sort of broadly Arab. (laughs) He had bigger dreams of the Ottoman Empire than any any of them did. In many ways, he was the true supporter of the real caliphate. Oh, Boris Johnson. Hundreds of miles away, at Filingdales in Yorkshire, the word Arab triggered an automatic alert in a huge golf-ball-shaped American listening post. The pilot continued, that's all, that he's an Arab called Jones? That, and he's on the CIA's most wanted list. His father was a gynecologist in Karachi who was struck off for some reason. Wait, he's wait, a serious wait, wait. He was too, wacko. Horny, too horny, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing a t-shirt that said, I'm not a gynecologist, but I'll take actually, a look. It would be, would be kind of amazing if actually there was this very small population of Arab expats in Karachi who are famous for being really horny. And Boris Johnson had just done a lot of research for this book. <laughs> I mean, would, also, I like the idea that the CIA, right, have a listening post, which is set to report every instance of the word Arab. <laughs> the CIA are going to be very fucking busy. <laughs> but I mean, that being said, the CIA also had to design something that could scan the internet for uses of the word ISIS and not the word is. Uh, um, so yeah, apparently uh, this, this, uh, this book has actually looked forward in time to our horrible dystopian startup uh, and applied it to the fictive world. So, uh, yes, uh, thought, ro- so, sorry, back to Roger Boris. Uh, who's cycling around and sees the four uh, Middle Eastern men in an altercation with this openly Islamophobic Serbian and this Nigerian stereotype traffic warden. You could have just said Serbian. (laughs) Ah, yes, thought Roger Barlow Boris. A classic scene of our vibrant, sorry, of our so-called vibrant multicultural society. (laughs) (laughs) I love that he, like, thinks in, like, wry irony quotes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the, the, How so-called multicultural the, society. The man thinks in telegraph columns. Um, po- <laughs> a group of asylum seekers in dispute with a Nigerian traffic warden. Poor bleeders. What were they? 
Albanians, Kosovars, Tajiks, Uzbeks, Martians. Who boy. This is verbatim. Uh, yeah. This is verbatim, y'all. Just FYI. Yeah. This is We all know the only people who live on Mars are insane billionaires. <laughs> uh, just insane billionaires and Nazis. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we just, just encourage Boris Johnson to become prime minister so we can become friends with Elon Musk so they can all go to Mars together and leave us alone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mars is just going to become like the biggest swingers party ever. <laughs> Spaceship keys in the bowl, everyone. <laughs> We've got to populate a whole red planet. So, um, and so it, it, it transpires that uh, Boris is then... Boris, is then shunted in some ark trying to find a way in. Uh, the uh, group of refugees who have all been described as terroristic um, have, are now attempting to get the ambulance in, and we're all there. Um, so he's attempting to get into Parliament, and he runs into another divorced guy, Bugbear. I'm sorry, sir, you can't take your bike with you. Uh, one of the guards snapped at the bike. What's wrong with my bike? It's a lethal weapon, sir. Down to uh-huh. health and safety. Very divorced. <laughs> John Claude Junker! <laughs> I mean, I, I think to Milo's point, this book is basically all about how he was wronged by a traffic warden and he decided to, to make it have something to do with Islam somehow. <laughs> it, is like very, it is very Jeremy Clarkson. It is very much like, I was so angry that I got a parking ticket in the no-go zone of Whitechapel in East London. Um, and it must be, you know, but, you know, these women can walk around in burkas. Yeah. And they don't get parking tickets. This Muslim, What's going on there? Double standards. This Muslim traffic organ stuck something on my car windscreen called a PCN, which I assume stands for Please Caliphate Now. <laughs> um, Let's make some t-shirts with that. <laughs> Note that down, please. Mm-hmm. You get a discount if you establish a caliphate within 14 days. <laughs> Furthermore, Home for the real parking ticket heads there. <laughs> Furthermore, I can't let you in without a pink pass with the letter P on it. Now. And the bloody gay lobby. <laughs> I mean, is that Classic. what he's going for? He's, he's saying that, that uh, you can't stop terrorism because traffic cops are too gay. Kind, I mean, I'm sorry, sir, but in Parliament, it's Pride Month. <laughs> <laughs> so you have to wear this boot Bicycles shoe. are heteronormative somehow. <laughs> um... Barlow, Boris, whatever, had grown up during the Cold War, and when at school, he'd read his Thucydides. <laughs> Famous Cold War writer, Thucydides. It had been obvious to him that America was the modern Athens. <laughs> of course. Energetic, pluralistic, the guarantor of democracy and freedom. There's a lot of people fucking kids. Yeah. <laughs> Again. Yeah, the pizza. You know, you've yeah. got to investigate it. Yeah. yeah it's, it's much like Athens, America. Um, Athens had uh, its... Uh, Agora, America has Comet Ping Pong. Yeah. <laughs> we were just trying to pass on powerful centrist ideas to those children. It wasn't a sexual... I mean, for all you know, they might have had pizza at the symposium, alright? The records aren't that exact. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, um, uh, in, therefore, infinitely to be preferred to the Soviet Union, closed, nasty, militaristic, the modern Sparta. 
Yes, absolutely. That is how I would not describe any Western society, closed, nasty, and militaristic. But there we go. But also, like, nothing nothing is like Sparta in the modern world. Like, what an insane comparison to make. Like, no society in the ancient world was like Sparta. Like, sorry to go, like, classic. It's just, like, it's an insane outlier. That's why everyone learns about it. <laughs> The Soviet Union, like what the, like, oh yes, Sparta, where they were all like queuing to buy busts of Lenin, (laughs) like, yes, (laughs) as we all recall. Or the Soviet Union, famous for defeating the Nazis with its hoplite infantry. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. We all remember how, um, yeah, also the Spartans were famous for like defeating armies of far greater numbers, which was like the opposite of the Soviet strategy. (laughs) The Soviet strategy is like, we will kill one of their men for every 20 of ours. Because we're not pussies. <laughs> but now, intercepted by this, by this uh, impudent security guard, just feet away from the statue of Winston Churchill, he felt his gorge rise. I am a member of parliament, he said, eyes prickled with irritation. Boris Johnson is not working anything out in writing this book at all. Now this is like the time he wasn't let into whites or something. <laughs> so... Anyway, Boris moves from his incredibly racist chess piece caricatures around the board until Barlow, shunted hither and yon by security personnel who dare ask him for a form, the real villains in my opinion, uh, sees some people he recognizes. Uh, Because he, if you recall, he saw the the people earlier. Hang on a tick, said Barlow a little more assertively. Um, I just saw those guys in the ambulance moments ago and they get to go through. Another thought half formed in his depleted brain. Jones, in the ambulance, showed the pink P form on the dashboard and touched the accelerator. Damn, these terrorists and their knowledge of bureaucracy. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) The main lesson of of the setup of this book appears to be, if only they racially profiled (laughs) and did me a favor. (laughs) I'm sorry, sir, but I cannot actually stop Al-Qaeda as I will be called racist. You've not even heard the worst part of it. All four of those guys, as well as working for Al-Qaeda, they work in the House of Commons Cafe. (laughs) And I went in there the other day and ordered a coffee, and they charged me for a soup. (laughs) And it was halal. I just just had to drink it. Right? So far... Again, I know I'm keeping coming back to this. Is this not the most divorced book ever written? (laughs) Well, yeah, because it's basically like a minor inconvenience slowed me down, and it was Al Qaeda's fault somehow. And if if and if those 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 bureaucrats hadn't just slowed me down, then you know maybe I would have been able to save the president. A thing I do on a regular basis. But it's not even it's not even Al Qaeda's fault. It's the fault of the libs. Like Al Qaeda are just these like oh well you know boys will be boys. They're gonna do that. But if it wasn't for the bloody libs who refuse to just put all of the brown people in camps, as has been the system for decades, and it's worked perfectly well, you know. You can tell, like, the genesis of the book was, like, he was stuck in Parliament. We stuck, like, trying to get into Parliament on, like, a rainy day. He had to, like, go through, like, the guest lobby because, like, no one would kind of give him special permission. And then from the corner of his eye, he sees, like, an Indian person in a suit who's, like, a, you know, parliamentary assistant just go through the fast queue. Yeah. That's when it starts. It was, like... He's like, know, I'd rather burn my own house down than deal with this. If, if this man... <laughs> it's if like, this... Boris, just go to America. I mean, that's, like, the fucking national character. William if, Faulkner wrote books about this. If this man, like, had has a bomb strapped to him, I'm the only one who could stop him. It's like, it's like Mark Wahlberg insisting that he could stop 9-11 by punching the plane. Yeah, it's just, in this case, Boris Johnson's personal 9-11 is a minor inconvenience. 
which Boris is like the Johnson most, which played, is the most divorced dad thing in the world, right? Yeah. Boris like Johnson young. played by Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> There's a four-year-old kid. He's trying to fuck my wife. <laughs> Boris so Johnson not gonna played by Mark Wahlberg, subbing in for Donald Trump somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so now we jump perspectives again because. If there's a hallmark of good writing, it's the more perspectives, the better. Um, so, we are now in an American motorcade. American war veteran Jason Pickle. <laughs> okay, 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 hold up, hold up, hold up. Now, that is a fucking British name, all right? That is a goddamn British name. It's Eric Pickle's distant cousin. Sergeant, Sergeant here, Pickle. Are we, are we, here is the most, here is the, everything before this has been 70% divorced. This is... This is the 100% divorced line of this book. American war veteran Jason Pickle looked out of his window and was startled to see a trio of English children aged no more than 11 or 12 spit roasting his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Leering in at him from the side of the road, they were thugged up in gray tracksuits with hoods. (laughs) And they gave him an enthusiastic two-finger salute. Like the most mid two thousands dad book as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's like I, I, this is like the type of so I, you know um, this is this is like the type of mentality which got a bunch of like middle class parents from Kent to ban tracksuits in the shopping center. Yeah, and he's written it into an action novel where racial profiling causes an attack on Parliament that this old fat divorced white man single handedly prevents with a sword. <laughs> <laughs> um. He looked over the rest of the protest against the American president. Quote, I guess those guys wish Saddam was still in power. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes! Yes! Get some! Those, da- those damn children with tracksuits disrespecting me, I bet they love Saddam. <laughs> British teenagers love three things. Blackberry Messenger, Nando's, and the bath party. <laughs> <laughs> Here and there across the crowd, these bleats were turning into an anti-American chorus, and it took the American back to the rhythms of the cretinous songs the Iraqis sang to the adulation of their dictator. Yeah, I hate it when I hate it when the Iraqis. Like, I, I hate it. I hate it when the, the Iraqis all like sing limp biscuits roll. <laughs> so, so let, let's just review the range of forces arrayed against Boris Johnson right now. Parking wardens, his son, his horny son, (laughs) children in tracksuits being disrespectful, Um, brown people who are all Arab, even though they're from Pakistan. Mm. (laughs) And one of them is Welsh, just to add insult to injury. (laughs) And, And a guy who's stopping him from bringing his bike into a building. Yeah, and a security guard who won't give him special treatment. I've long accepted that I'll probably be killed by an Arab, but I refuse to be bested by a Welshman. (laughs) (laughs) I really hope that's a line in the book. Anyway, um, here the book takes a turn for the horny. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, I was wondering when we'd revisit that old town road. (laughs) American Cameron McLean looked like a character in a hairspray ad. (laughs) 
with glossy evangelical skin and lustrous eyes. Because yes, if the evangelicals are famous for anything, it's their skincare. Yeah. I, I also, also like if he looks like a character from a hairspray ad, he looks like a woman. Have you ever seen a hairspray ad with a man in it? No. <laughs> <laughs> she was 24, full of energy and optimism, and had the dubious honor of being Rogers. Oh, sorry, it is a woman. I was misled. I was misled by the name. I forgot that in America you can just give any person any name, and it doesn't matter. <laughs> Not for the first time, Barlow was seriously impressed by her efficiency. If his memory served him right, and he kept a vague eye on her romantic career, she'd been off in Brussels last night, but she was here for him in less than five minutes. Very divorced. Wait, so he's developed a sort of Domino's pizza tracker, but for like her ovulation cycle. Back in America, when she studied at Rochester University, in the run-up to the war in Iraq, she'd stuck a poster on her dorm saying, let's bomb France. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why Rochester? Many very, like, 1944 poster. <laughs> <laughs> Many American colleges were, were rebaptizing French fries freedom fries, but she wanted to do one better. In honor of Tony Blair, she said Rochester should just call him Chips. He's, a, he, he's extremely horny for an imaginary Tommy Lauren, essentially. <laughs> Tommy Lauren is stuck in upstate New York, and it's, it's like really, really into calling things just being an Anglophile. <laughs> I also love that, like, because Boris Johnson's going through so many intellectual, like, stages here, that he's gotten to the point where in order to, like, like an American person, that American person has to like Tony Blair, someone who Boris Johnson hates. But the people that Boris Johnson hates in America hate Tony Blair, so in that context, Boris, jo- Boris Johnson supports Tony Blair. I didn't know you were gonna do a Brendan article. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Before she arrived in London, she had presumed that if Barlow was a real Tory, he'd be sound, he'd be staunch, he'd stand full square and broad-beamed in favor of family values and the rest of it. (laughs) I'm in favor of family values. That's why everyone in my family fucks my wife. (laughs) (laughs) But once, she'd written a rather fierce letter to a constituent of Roger Boris, if not exactly consigning the man an IT consultant, to licking tongues of hellfire for asking if his same-sex union be recognized, then at least making it pretty clear that she, or Roger Barlow, on whose name appeared in the letter, thought of the whole project. To her amazement, he had crossed out and written, good on you, matey, go ahead. Frankly, I don't care why the state should object to the union between three men and a dog, or, other, or two men otherwise. Yours sincerely. <laughs> Something which I'm currently working on. Again. So, so what he's saying is, uh, is he, his, he's upset that the Tories aren't homophobic enough and they need someone from America no, to get really saying, mad about it. What he's saying is, look at me. Look how great I am. I'm Boris Johnson. I don't care if you're black, white, or purple. If you're, if you're gay, you can marry a man or a dog for all it's I the care. the same thing. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you, liberal Toryism. Listen. Great. Awesome. We love it. We've all fucked a dog. <laughs> I'm in no position to judge. However... However, that's the statue of Winston Churchill talking, <laughs> which has been watching disapprovingly this whole time. This, this is... That's what he had under that coat. This is part one of Roger Boris Johnson's book, 72 Virgins, and we look forward to reading more of it in the future. However, constraints on time and my bladders have to tell me that I think that's all for us tonight for you. Cambridge, you have been a very terrific audience, and it falls to me to thank you very much for coming out tonight. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Thank you. Good night.
So we have a couple of things that we should probably make mention of, is that if you haven't listened to our show before, you should definitely listen to it on anywhere that you can find podcasts to include uh, Apple Podcasts and other, other venues. Yeah, we also Spotify. have uh, two more shows coming up in the next few months. We've got one in Birmingham on the 8th of August, one in the Edinburgh Fringe the 10th of August, and then yeah. Milo will be in Edinburgh for like a month. Yeah, I'm there for a whole month doing my doing my show, which is about how I got famous in Russia. I promise I will not read any of Boris Johnson's book. So if you found that as upsetting as I did, then come to my show. Um, also, we have these new fancy Trash Future t-shirts. Um, really good. We get one out. On the back, they say, what if your phone was the cops? I was going to say, Hussein, um, you should plug your book while I go grab one of these shirts to yeah, show people. Yeah, I have a book. Buy it. I need to like pay my... Um, pay my wife's boyfriend to let me back in the house. Uh, <laughs> my wife's gonna, boyfriend, brackets, my son. There's going to be some... Co- the, the, the Cambridge has like ordered a few copies, so I don't know. Anyway, the shirt's yeah. good, right? Uh, so they're available for a special discount live show price of £15. So if you would like a shirt, please come up and see us afterwards. We, we even take contactless. We had like a real artist design them, and when I kind of said, I want this kind of shirt, she was... She, she responded to me initially with just a question mark. Like... It's really, it's really interesting, like having to commission people who aren't as broken as we are to do stuff for us. So she put in a lot of work to understand where we came from, and she basically said never again afterwards. <laughs> so this is a really limited edition. The other day, I went into a print shop in London just as a flavor of how weird our lives are, and I'm like, okay, I need to get like an A1 canvas printed like in the next hour. And he's like, yeah, that's fine, we can do that. Can you just give me the file? And what I didn't realize was he was going to like open the file in front of me to check that it was okay, and I had to watch him compute the. I wanted printed was an A1 canvas of me with a Russian policeman and above our heads in massive font it says there is no God (laughs) credit to him he managed to sort of soldier through the card transaction with a straight face that's probably not the weirdest thing someone's printed on A1 in that shop to be honest with you probably not excuse me well I was having a piss have we transitioned to an episode of Balthazar what's going on (laughs) no 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 we're just we're just doing plugs like it's the end of a regular episode exactly Anyway, thank you everyone for attending tonight. Thank you for being a great audience. If you want a shirt, we'll be here with the contact list selling yeah, them. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>